Okay, so Smoke and Snow, Season 2, Episode 5, A Noble Plot. When last we left the heroes, I believe you were all in Brackenwald. You had just spoken to the young noble cousin of the Lord of Brackenwald, a noble by the name of Tristan Beaumont, who some of you thought maybe was a, a little bit on the dodgy side. And it turned out that he was the person responsible for all of like, the trade negotiations that are currently going on between your hometown of New Zealand and the relatively new arrivers of Brackenwald, uh, Castle Brackenwald and the surrounding sort of town that's around the walls of it. And you suspect, potentially know, that he might be the person behind hiring the the Crimson Coin to ramp up the crime rate in New Zealand as a way to get like trade concessions with with New Zealand, like get himself a better deal in the trade negotiations, basically. So you guys had a little bit of discussion, obviously uh, I, I, we, we gathered in the sort of the, the after session sort of commenting that uh, older Brock wasn't exactly keen on the uh, on the, the young noble fellow, but uh, obviously if you guys actually choose to do stuff about it, remains to be seen. So we start off with you guys in Brackenwald, as I've said previously. You know, you've you've talked to the Duke, you've talked to the Duchess, you've talked to Tristan Beaumont about trade, etc. You'd done a little bit of shopping and stuff like that. And then we finished off just as you were planning your next move, I believe. So it's pretty much over to you guys, to be honest. What do you guys want to do? I think first things first, we dissuade Brock not to kill the man outright. I was never going to do that. Not until he opened his mouth again, anyway. <laughs> you maybe reevaluate that plan. Um, maybe we shouldn't dissuade him. Well, not in the middle of the town. Well, I think what we should really do is go and find the um, underside of this city and stir up the hornet's nest for them. I mean, was yeah, because we were going to potentially not confront him, but speak to him with uh, Quentin and... Uh, yeah, Weimar. I, I believe yeah. your I believe your plan was to um, was sort of leverage your connection with the uh, the Crimson Coin to basically sort of make it seem like you know you're working on their behalf, sort of thing, and try and sort of lean on him in that way. Yeah, I didn't know if you wanted to do that one to one or or like you say, try and find if there's a similar sort of outfit in this. In this part, Brackenwald. I think we do both. Well, as well, you're you... probably best man to find. I was going to say, as you guys are contemplating this, I'll point out just for 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 flavour, because you will have noticed this that you're getting near to the the two months of the Valconan autumn now. The, you'll have noticed this because like the leaves on the trees, the sort of more deciduous trees, have started to change colour to, to gold and browns and reds. And obviously, Falcon and before the 
for the climate change wrought by the mashing together of the the two planes Dolmorn and Balconin didn't really have an autumn it just had like a very short summer and a massive winter whereas now it seems to sort of it's got a very still a small summer but it also has a small spring and a small autumn with a, a slightly less long winter so it's probably quite a surprising thing to certainly to Brock because obviously you grew up in Balcona where there wasn't really this long autumn period obviously Malcolm and um, Quentin having come from Rohaline originally where it's more temperate you will be familiar with the sort of season of autumn but as you're sort of discussing this and you're sort of getting it you notice that a a large party of men sat on horseback they're wearing very like regal colors you recognize the, the sort of standard like bracken walled heraldry on them seems to be sort of like gathering together on the edge the, the sort of southern edge of the the castle looking like they, they're getting ready to sally forth from the settlement itself you know you can see there's a couple of like squires and like stable boys and stuff like that running out like checking the stirrups etc you can see there's a number of men like not knights but like men at arms sort of people like sat on horses and such at the front of this group you see the the dashing figure of tristan beaumont sat astride a a white horse it appears to be like talking to a few of the men their servants etc like i said they're checking over all their gear but they appear to be getting ready to head forth from the settlement as a group hmm. do they look like they're dressed for war or hunting or travel hmm. or you see that uh, tristan he appears to have a like a, a narrow bladed saber at his side but he's He's not wearing like plate armor or anything like that. You can see that the the men at arms, the soldiers they've got with them, are sort of slightly more heavily armed. You know, they've got chainmail and they've all got weapons. As you're sort of looking across, Malcolm, you also notice that there's three slightly older men wearing almost like monkish robes. You know, sort of like Hessian brown robes. who are also sat on slightly less magnificent looking stallions and they don't appear to be armed at all although you notice that each of them has where the others have got weapons hanging off their belt these like these handful of monks for whatever better term have got like large sort of sacks and like saddlebags like hanging at the side of them although you can tell by the way they're sort of hanging loose that like there's nothing in them okay um can i approach one of the monks how far away are they from us? They're, they're, they're a little distance, but they're, they're still getting they're still getting their stuff together. They're not immediately heading out, so you've got time to like head over. Cool. So I'll head over to one of the monks <clears throat> and just kind of casually, uh, what's all the fuss about? Okay. As you head over to this monk, he looks at you and he says, uh, "Oh, uh, greetings to you, my son. We are about to." head out on a, a most important mission for for the Lord of Brackenwald. Uh, younger Lord Beaumont here and his men have been kind enough to offer us assistance and protection on this important journey. Oh, and where are you journeying to? Uh, we are we're travelling south into the to the Rural Hills, so to the south of here. Uh, there is a there is a certain plant that grows there, the uh, 
I'm sure you may have heard of it, the the fabled black lotus. It's a it's a remarkable plant. It's a, its wood is extremely useful as a as a flexible but strong building material. So it will be useful for the uh, the repair efforts on the gate, and also its its flowers and its sap when brewed by someone who has knowledge of herbalism like myself and my brothers it can be rendered into a powerful sleeping draft it is the desire of lord brackenwald that we brew such a draft so that if other interlopers should encroach on our settlement that rather than simply killing them they could be overpowered with the draft and then later interrogated to find out what they know. Uh, very clever. Well, much, much as I, much as I deplore the, as, as a man of the, the cloth, much as I deplore violence, it seems a, a far better way of handling such things than the, the mob that tore apart the, the, the creature that did the damage to the gate and he gestures towards the gate where repair efforts are still ongoing after the explosion. Um, and how long will you be gone for? He says, oh well, I shouldn't think it'd take, uh, it'd take more than a couple of days. Uh, the area we're going to, it's, uh, as I say, it's just to the south of here, although the the, the terrain is somewhat hard going uh, due to the hills and the, the woodlands around there, etc. But uh, a journey of about a day should take us to uh, where the black lotus grows. Okay. Um, and is it dangerous in the rural hills? Well, of course, there's a uh, there's all sorts of animals, and also we have been menaced by these stranger reptilian creatures recently. But uh, aside from that, I don't I, I don't believe it's too dangerous but one never knows that's why we myself and my brothers were so grateful when a young lord beaumont volunteered to escort us and bring his personal guard with him as a in order to help protect us and as he's saying this you see tristan beaumont's obviously like seen you sort of like head across and he uh he sort of slowly like steers his horse over in your direction and he says all right so mr um uh, harp yes yes of course uh, please please forgive me and he says uh well what do you make of my horse mr harp and he like pats the the neck of his like white horse fine beast isn't she yeah yeah looks very pretty oh thank you thank you the uh as i'm sure the uh the, the good father has told you uh we're uh we're planning to go out and safeguard these uh these people while they're uh they're gathering their herbs or whatever errand uh my uh, my noble cousin has set them uh, obviously it's the the least we could do given all the troubles and uh most of my my cousin's uh men are busy ensuring the safety of the settlement aiding with the repairs and such like making sure no one takes advantage of the the current situation so of course what else could i do but offer my my own personal guard and um, myself to to help safeguard them in the journey into the hills. After all, with these creatures lurking about, who knows what devilry may befall them. Yes, you truly are a heroic type. Oh, you, you, you're too kind, sir. You're too kind. Uh, but um, if 
if yourself and your colleagues are uh, available, uh, you, you would be more than welcome to join us. Perhaps we could talk a little bit more about trade and such like uh, as we travel. Um, I we have um, unfortunately we have other business in the city. Oh, of course, um, of course. I I entirely understand. Perhaps another time. Oh yes, yes. Well, I'm. We could travel together. Indeed. Well, it it's my home. I'm back in a back in the old country, so to speak. Uh, obviously, we used to have the the run of the um, the Dolman Wood there, and uh, there's plenty of good hunting. And whilst these are the, the woodlands around here are a sparse and scrabbly uh, collection of trees in comparison to that. It's my hope that once things have settled down and uh, we are we are able to get our bearings a little bit more, that uh, the the noble pursuits of hunting, uh, riding, etc., may once again be embraced by uh, all goodly men within the settlement of Brackenwald. A truly just aim. Indeed, indeed, it's my hope that when these when these trade negotiations are concluded between ourselves and uh, your own uh, home settlement, that, uh, that there will be a sort of a, a melding of cultures. Uh, I'm sure we have many traditions that seem strange to you and vice versa, but it's my hope that uh, all our peoples can come together in a, in a spirit of friendship and in a, an exchange of cultures. Yes, truly, that would be wonderful. Indeed, indeed. Well, uh, I must uh, see to the preparations and uh, get underway with my men. So I, I won't keep you any longer, Mr. Harper. Safe travels to you. Thank you, Mr. Vermont. Indeed. And he, uh, he sort of gallops off to, not gallops off, but sort of slightly trots off to, to the head of the thing. And he starts talking to his men. And you can overhear that they're basically just like checking their weapons and their equipment ready for this like, ride out. But before he goes, John. <laughs> yeah, he's just like. I'm going to get a, a copper coin out of my pocket. Yep. Stick the red thumbprint on it. Okay. And just toss it to him, saying, that's a good luck charm. I'll wink at him. He, he sort of, he, obviously, like, you throw some at him, instinctively he goes, and, and he's a noble, he's been trained in, like, sports and hunting and stuff like that, so he, like, just, like, catches it in the air in, like, a gloved hand. He's got, like, a leather glove on, like, falconer's glove, and he, like, brings it down. He, he looks a bit curious at first. And then as he like turns over, he does his best to like disguise his expression. But you notice like one of his eyes twitches a little bit, and he seems to go a little bit pale, and he's like, Um Yes, um yes, of course. Um, thank what is your uh, what is your name, uh, young fella? Just call me Duke, it's okay. At which point he at which point he definitely does go pale. And you actually see him do like you know what was audible like as he like gulps a little bit and he says um, well um, I have a uh, I have a little uh, and he's like stammering a little bit after his words I have a little uh, I have a little time before we before we need to set forth you know preparations to make etc perhaps uh, perhaps uh, Duke we could uh, we could talk a little before before my party sallies forth gladly Satan's meeting later Indeed, indeed, he, uh, he uh, swing athletically swings down off his horse. He just sort of like doesn't even look. He just sort of like reaches out with the reins, and like one of his servants like runs over and takes the reins of the horse, and then he he, he lets it go, and he 
he sort of like walks a little bit towards you and then sort of like gestures with his glove, you know, as if like, oh yeah, we're going to like step aside. Obviously he wants to be like a little bit away from his men. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll let him step aside. Yeah, obviously the two of you step aside. Obviously it's, it's up to you whether you're taking Brock and Malcolm with you. It's entirely their choice. It's it's free reign as far as I'm concerned. Yep, so <laughs> Bro- Brock and Malcolm, you can be there if you want. He will just assume that because obviously he's assuming that Quentin's like the guy behind the Crimson Coin. So if you're with him, he'll just assume that like you're probably members or you're like his personal guard or something along those lines. But um, so you can be there if you want. Obviously, no, I'll stay with the priests, okay. the monks. No, I'll stand behind. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're sort of stood there as a Duke Quentin. You got like, Brock like arms folded, like towering behind you, G- giving it like the like. Oh, I'm like that the heavy hitter. Yeah. And he, he gestures you to me to the side, and he's like, uh, oh, "I wasn't aware that uh, any." Uh, and he, he seems to like be struggling for his words, and he, he's like looking around. He's he's looking wet, even more shifty than he normally does. You know, keeps like glancing over his shoulder. And he's like, oh, "I wasn't aware that uh, that uh, you would be paying us a visit." Well, if I made my motions clear, wouldn't be alive for very long, would I? Oh well, no, I, I suppose not. You would know more about that thing than I. Yeah? I take it everything is uh, proceeding satisfactorily. Well, to whose satisfaction? Mine well, or yours? Well, both both of ours, I would hope. I mean, in our in our previous, uh, albeit not face to face, but in our previous communications, uh, I got the impression that everything was proceeding according to the plan. Well, the plan's got anointments in it at the moment. Oh, how, how do you mean? I'm not sure I follow. Well, we've done as you've asked. Indeed. And uh, it's drawn attention from certain military parties. Oh, I see. Uh, well, yes, well, uh, obviously, um, as I discussed with the, with the, the young woman who's, uh, who's your yes. uh, lieutenant... Uh, we were aware that this this might be the case um, going forward, but she assured me that sh- that they could handle it. Well, they can to an agri- degree. They will continue to move around the city, but my concern now is that certain key members of my organisation are uh, going to start having their faces plastered all over the walls. Oh, I see. And obviously... From my point of view, the solution there is to move those people out of the city. And, well, you're nearest. Well, that, 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 all, that all seems to make sense. Um, so, so what is it you need from me? I need a... a quota. A quota? Well, if they move here, they're loose-fingered. Oh, I see. Uh, well, um, obviously, I don't have any direct control over the, uh, the the legal authorities here. I mean, obviously, my own my own personal guard, etc. Um, obviously, I mean, as you know, I've been placed in charge by my noble cousin, the Duke, in charge of the the train negotiations. But uh, I don't have any direct control over the uh, the town guard as such. No, it's it's more of a warning, really. Oh, I see. You're just giving me the heads up. You can expect this kind of thing. Ah, I see. 
well i i do appreciate the uh, i do appreciate the warning uh, i i and obviously i'm i'm honored that you chose to deliver it personally uh, rather than sending your uh, your lieutenant um, is there anything else you need from me uh just to let you know that for the next week everybody's lying low oh, i see we'll wait for the uh the, the heat to die off that's it oh well yes uh well, entirely understandable uh as long as it uh as long as it doesn't interfere with the main plan i i don't see that that's a problem i'm sure it won't oh splendid splendid well uh if there's uh, nothing else, Duke, I'll, uh, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you go about your business, and I I will get back to mine. There is one last thing. Mm -hmm. My lieutenant specifically mentioned the word threats. Last time I talked to her. Threats, sir. Yes, uh, coming from your end. I'm, I'm... Now, obviously, it's in my duty to look after her. But I need to get both sides of the story. Oh, but did, did, I'm, I'm not really sure what uh, what she could be referring to. Did she did she give any specifics when she uh, she mentioned these threats? Uh, the threat was that should the plan not go ahead as planned, then uh, certain actions would be taken against herself and those she has entrusted. Well, uh, I, I I can assure you that uh, I would, as long as everything is proceeding, I I have no wish to take any any action. I'm I'm most satisfied with how things have been going at the moment. Uh, obviously, any what your lieutenant might have perceived as threats. Uh, obviously, I've said that you know if I was if I was dissatisfied with what was occurring, or she did not meet her. Her, your side of the bargain of course i would let her know that maybe that is what she perceived as threats uh well as i say i'm not a i'm not an inflexible man i mean as you say you are you tell me that you need a a week to wait for to wait for things to blow over as it were i'm i'm fine with that i'm happy for you to take a week uh, I, I understand we have to be flexible in these sort of situations you know changing circumstances etc so i thought exactly Oh yes, I'm. No, I'm. I'm sorry if your uh, your lieutenant mistook any of my potential concerns as threats. It's not in my nature to make threats. If I was, if I were dissatisfied with what was going on, I would have, I would have made it known very plainly. I, I, I am a. I'll be. I'm not a. I'm not a duke or a, anything like my noble cousin or a, and he sort of like chuckles a bit to himself or indeed yourself, but. Uh, I am a I am a noble of the court of Brackenwald. It is not in my nature to make clandestine threats. Well, that's all cleared up then. Maybe we'll meet again sometime. Ah, oh, indeed. Well, uh, uh, ple pleasant travels to you. I mean, if there's if there's anything else you need while you're here, uh, of course I I'll be unavailable for a for a day or two. As, you know this. Uh, this protecting the uh, the good fathers over there, but uh, after that, I'll be returning to to Brackenwald. If you need anything, um, please uh, feel free to call on me. As I say, I've been most satisfied with how everything has been proceeding so far. That's good to hear. He he, he holds out a hand. It's like a gloved hand. 
Well, yeah, it's been it. on my hand, and it, it, you see, like his, uh, like the corner of his mouth sort of crinkle a little bit in distaste, but he doesn't say anything. Obviously, he's got a glove on. He, he shakes your hand, and I say, "Well, it's uh, it's nice to put a, a face to the name. Uh, safe travels." And then he he walks back over to where this like servant's still holding his horse. Athletic like vaults back onto the saddle, takes the reins, and again he sort of like, trots over to where his men are, and they carry on the preparations to head out. Uh, just to explain to you, uh, Weimar, we've uh, basically we had a few technical problems. We, we, they've basically just started out. They, they were discussing what they're planning to do next. They're obviously still at Brackenwald. They've seen that Tristan Beaumont is apparently taking his personal guard, and they're accompanying three monks that say they're travelling to the south, to the rural hills. They're going to gather some black lotus, which the wood is useful for repairs. It's flexible. And they're also going to make like a potent sleeping draft out of it with the idea that if any more of these creatures attack, they can basically drug them with this sleeping draft and then they can be interrogated rather than just be like tore apart and they don't get any information. Uh, Quentin's posed as the Duke of the Crimson Court. Got a bit of extra information from Tristan. And now Tristan's like, oh, you know, be safe. And he's gone back over to his men to carry on the prep before they set out. And that's pretty much you up to date. Yep, thanks. And sorry again, I really fucked up my timings tonight. It, it's absolutely fine, mate. To, to be honest, we had like half an hour to like an hour of like, oh, why can't anyone connect to Foundry first? So. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm currently in that myself, so. <laughs> yeah. It, it appears to be going now, but uh, yeah, hopefully. Yeah. But anyway, um, so we're currently at the, the fort. Then. Yeah, you're currently still at um, Brackenwall, like say, uh, Tristan Beaumont, he's got like a, his personal guard, he, they're all on horses, they're all armed, he's got like a sabre, all of his men are like tooled up. They've got these three like older monks with them who aren't armed, but they've got like saddlebags and the like, they're empty, probably yeah. to get this like black lotus in. They're all getting ready to travel mm -hmm. south. The, the, the other heroes of Aston have been told like it's going to take a couple of days, like one day there, one day back. They know a place where this like black lotus grows, they're going to go and gather it, come back. But they're like, oh yeah, them are. Them like lizard men have recently attacked us. Like, oh, there might be some more of them in the hills. And obviously, most of the Duke's men are busy protecting the town, helping with the repairs. So, Tristan Beaumont's like, oh, well, I'll, uh, obviously, perhaps trying to curry a little bit of favour with his cousin, the Duke. He's like, well, don't worry about it. I'll, uh, I'll take my personal guard and I'll sell it forth with these, uh, these mugs and protect them while they gather their herbs. And they're basically just getting their, like, their party together, you know, the servants are checking the horses and the stirrups and the saddlebags and all of that. And then Quentin's had his little conversation with Tristan where he like posed as the posed as the Duke. But now he's returned and they're carrying on their prep to set out. And you guys are pretty much left to your own devices again. Um I think Lord Beaumont's being out of the city for a number of days presents an opportunity for us to potentially find out what he's doing. Is there any evidence in his chambers? Is there any valuables in his chambers? Um, and that we could put, use to put him under pressure. Um, Kind of looking at Quinton for 
see if he has any interest in such an endeavor. I'm happy to rob him. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's very likely he's going to have anything on paper, though, is he? As in, like, evidence of... The man strikes me as a coward. Yeah. Um, you know, he is very worried about facing the um, possibilities of being shivved in a corner. Athletic, yes, but... <laughs> Do you ever need that many guards to take somebody to get a flower? Yeah, obviously you guys have never seen him in in any sort of like combat or like physical altercation. So you you know he's got a sword, but it's from what you've seen in the court, it seems to be the thing in like Brackenwall that like only the only people who regularly carry around like swords are nobles. Like even the the guard you can see with him at the minute are obviously not knights. They're like his personal guard. They're carrying like maces and stuff like that. They don't seem to be carrying swords. Whereas, like, every noble you've seen, which it granted is, like, only really the Duke and a couple of minor nobles, they all seem to carry these, like, almost, like, rapier, sort of, like, thin blades on their hip. But whether it's just a status symbol or whether they are actually trained in them, you don't really know. Honestly, you know, in terms of threat, he's only a threat in terms of what he's positioning himself to do for trade negotiations. Um, if he decided to take out his wrath on the Crimson Coin, I'm fairly certain he'd be dead very quickly. And as you guys are continuing to discuss this, you hear the you hear Tristan sort of like in the distance, obviously talking to like his party. He says, uh, "Right then, uh, good friars, are you all ready?" And they're like, "Oh yes, yes, my lord, yeah, yes, my lord." And he says, "He looks at his man. He says, man, are you ready?'" And they're like, "Yes, awaiting your word, my lord." And he's like, "Well, let let us go then." And he gestures with his leather gauntleted hand, and the all the servants sort of like disappear off and start filtering back into the settlement. And you see these horses set off at a slow trot, heading southwards towards the Rule Hills. Connie, Quentin, if you're talking. In terms of the trade negotiations, we've already got an upper hand because we know how to get to and from faster. So once that's on the table, no matter how much crime is produced, it's not going to alter the fact that we've got a fast port, whereas they'd still be carrying it down a brick road. Ideally, though, we want to turn the crimson coin to our side, don't we? And well, use we will. It. So they're not against us, they're with us. We can do that, but like I say, if he's using the crimson coin to up the ante for the trade negotiations and we have an even bigger ante because we've got the gateway between the two places suddenly his hand becomes a lot weaker because of this gateway so he has no reason to take anything out on the crimson coin other than frustration 
Um, yeah. But how are we going to get the Crimson Coin on our side without giving them loads of money? Well, that's their driving factor, isn't it? Money's easily gained. If it goes wrong because suddenly New Zealand has the up, upper hand in terms of trade negotiations, it's not the Crimson Coin's fault. We can stomach a little bit more crime, so it still looks like they're doing their job. You can't blame them for it going wrong because we found a gateway. I was just I was just thinking if we could do both, then we'd have the complete upper hand because we'd have got rid of the crimson coin. Well, we can do both because in the conversation I've just had with them, I did say that I'd be sending some people that are a bit too famous to this area to start stealing. So I've already let him know. I'm quite happy to put agents in his city. Which gives us the upper hand because suddenly he is fearful of these people coming in. And he has no idea who they are. Yeah, it'd be even better if we actually did it. I will. Yeah. If there's nobody operating here, I'm going to send some people down here to start operating. Maybe the crime level suddenly become a little bit even. Then he doesn't have the upper hand in any stretch of the imagination. So what are we looking to do in the meantime? Well, I think we're done here. Unless anybody else has any business We need to get back, inform our traders of the gateway, inform the Crimson Coin of the plan. And then we need to go to this island of the mall. Yeah, the beast mall, yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else we need to do at this stage here, is there? Anything so. else? Yeah. Okay, so is the plan, guys, that you're going to head to the Wench Gate, use it to get back to New Zealand, so as quickly as you can? Yeah, check the time difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no problems. <laughs> Obviously, you'll have given your previous experience. You'll have checked that the last time you come through, and it does appear that like they're now just like, instantaneously to move between the other because they're in the same realm. So there's no like weird, like funky time displacement like there was previously. Yeah, yeah. It, it, here's my. Here's my vision, is that we control both gates, so we put New Zealand in charge of both gateways. And then they've got no choice if they want to use a fast route to deal with us. So what are we going to use? Some sort of guards or manpower? On the... I think we get some guards in, yeah. Even though it's right on their doorstep. Yeah, but they don't know it's active yet, do they? Oh, not yet. No, no. But I mean, once it is. Once it is, we can negotiate control of both ends. Yeah. But for now, we seize it. It's ours.
Okay, so does anyone have anything you want to do before you set off to the wench gate? Yeah, no, I think we're good. Don't think so. Okay, no problems. So it takes just under a day to get to the wench gate. Obviously, you see it much as it was before. This gateway made of interlocking trees with these figures. Now they're sort of mouths and faces locked in these expressions of silent horror. So you approach, you know the method to activate it. So quick cut, some blood, a bit of tree sap. You touch the area between the gateway. And after a few moments, you see this flickering, which then resolves into a view through the portal to the wolf forest to the south of New Zealand. You see the sort of deciduous trees that are dotted around Brackenwall replaced by the sort of the the oaks that now seem to form the mainstay of the wolf forest. Right on through. Okay, no problems. You head through there is a there is a brief sort of like lurching like as when you if you go on a roller coaster or something, you know, when your stomach seems to lurch, but it lasts no more than a couple of seconds. And you soon find yourself emerging from the other side, from the south gate, into the familiar oak forests of the Wolf Forest. You know that from here, New Zealand is a couple of days' ride following the coast to the west. Is there anything you guys want to do or are you just heading straight for New Zealand? Straight to New Zealand? Yeah, I guess we're... Yeah, okay. Yeah, we've got an appointment, haven't we? Mm. So you follow the coast for your first day. You head past the the small chicken farm that you saw previously. As you head past, you don't see anyone outside as you head past. Um, I'm going to ask, can one of you please roll me... Let's see, it's a... F- 4d10. I can, yeah. Just see if any random shenanigans occur. Uh, no, it looks like a no. No, so for the first day's travel along the coast, nothing untoward occurs the terrain here is fairly flat because it's on the coast so you have no problems moving at a fairly rapid pace as i say you head past this uh, this small chicken farm that you went to before you sort of pass that early on on your first day's travel the, the chicken farm that belongs to william dinsmore the the farmer that you spoke to previously uh, obviously if you if you want to call in there or do anything with that, you can do. Otherwise, you can ride on and make camp sort of further on in the evening. Entirely down to you guys. I think we're under pressure, so we'll just ride on and make camp. Okay, no problems. So you make camp. The evening, you'll keep watches, etc. The evening's fairly uneventful and peaceful. You know, you're, you're lulled to sleep by the gentle lapping of the coastal waters against the shore. You wake up in the morning, anyone who's down hit points can regain D3 hit points. And you set off the next morning knowing that 
you'll arrive at New Zealand like late in the evening. So again, if someone can roll me 4d10 to see if anything occurs while you're traveling. Uh, no ones again. Okay, lovely. So yeah, your second day's travel is also fairly uneventful. And just to point out for future reference, as you're traveling, basically the more the more points you travel within a day, the more segments you travel within a day, determines the the dice that are rolled for random encounters. If you travel four segments a day, you roll d10s. If it's three, you roll d8s. If it's two, you roll d6s. So if you guys are literally like looking for stuff, you, know, you want to find some like stuff, then the slower you move, the more likely you are to come across stuff. Just to let you guys know for the future. But as you say, you're under time pressure now, so you push on to New Zealand and so at the end of the, the second day it's just starting to get dark you're all just starting to feel a bit tired it's very late evening the, the sunlight's just about gone there's maybe like a little bit of light filtering over the horizon still yeah it's just starting to get past what we'd call dusk you approach New Zealand you see the familiar towers and the, the partial stone walls rising up in front of you. However, as you get before you even get close enough to sort of see the whole whole city, you see just over the little the little rise, the little hillocks that you're travelling over, you see a a sort of dull amber glow coming from the other side of the hillocks in the direction where New Zealand is, as if like a light being cast by many torches. Go faster, guys. <laughs> I yes. also like Quentin at the back and he's like, yeah, we might want to speed up, guys. <laughs> okay, yeah, so you all move faster. And as you go over this hillock, you see what appears to be a bizarre procession approaching the gates of New Zealand. You see, like, this procession is made up of, must be at least 30 individuals, and they're these bizarre sort of tall muscular sort of gray skinned like primitive humanoids with like tusks vaguely like porcine features all wearing sort of furs and stuff like that they're all carrying torches and they're sort of walking they're not charging they're just like walking approaching the gate in the middle you see what appears to be a large luxurious palanquin with like curtains of finest silk coming down and there's like half a dozen like particularly muscular figures of these strange humanoids sort of holding the poles that are lifting this palanquin and through the gauzy the gauzy haze of these curtains that are hanging down you can just about make out like a large silhouette of someone sat in this palanquin enshrouded in these luxurious velvet drapes and curtains and the you can see a couple of the figures at the front of this procession are like, they're carrying drums and they're going, dung, 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 and the other people are like moving forward slowly, not like charging towards the, the settlement, just like approaching it, like a walking pace, basically. And the light is coming from like the torches that all of these people are carrying, obviously not the ones with drums that are carrying the uh, palanquin, but the rest of them are also carrying torches as they walk. 
it almost looks like a, a ceremonial procession of some sort, the, the sort of slow rhythmic way in which it's moving. Um, how far away are we from them? And how far away are they from the wall? They're, they're probably about 60 feet away from the wall. So like, obviously the guards have seen them. You notice the guards, they look like they're, they're at attention. And you notice a few more guards than they normally are. But like they're not like running, screaming, or like panicking, or like getting weapons drawn or anything. Um, you're probably a hundred feet away because you've just come over a rise. You've just basically come round the sort of coast. But like I say, you're effective. You've been moving at speed because you want to get to New Zealand as quickly as possible. Whereas they're sort of going at this very slow, sort of rhythmic pace that seems to be dictated by these two drummers, like ding, 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 ding. Um, cool. So I think we'd like to head down towards them, and I guess try and arrive at the gate at roughly the same time. Yeah, that that's not a problem. Like I said, they're moving fairly slowly. You can easily catch up with them. Can you all roll me a d6? If anyone gets a six, let me know. Oh, I got six. Okay, so anyone who gets a six, as this procession's moving slowly towards the gate, at one point, Malcolm, as you're sort of watching it and you're all approaching on your horses and your cart, etc., you see the the curtain like pulls back a little bit, and you see a sort of quite a big but like fairly elegant and feminine looking like pale skinned hand sort of emerge from between two of these curtains on the palanquin and a long sort of well manicured like finger just sort of like gestures towards the gates and then like disappears back in the between the folds of the curtains and you see they carry on forward you know drumming etc one thing you do notice that the the elegant but like very large sort of like feminine hand is sort of like has a lot of gold rings on and sort of like bangles around the wrist, but you don't see anything else other than the fact the skin is extremely pale. I mean, we're talking like we're talking like Brock, like Ice Walker pale. Although, like, like I say, it was like a very big hand. Uh, is it like pale, like the people who are carrying the palaquin? Is it no, there there are sort of like dirty, like grey, like olive green colour, whereas this is more like a sort of icy sort of like bluey white colour. Okay, and did the hand that came out look bigger than the hands of the people who were doing the... You you do a, a few quick calculations and you're like, assuming that whatever is in this like palanquin is of human-like proportions based on the size of the hand, you're like, the person in there must be like seven or eight feet tall. Okay, and these are the, the guys carrying it are like Standard, they're so, they're so, yeah, they're sort of like roughly like the normal human size, or they're all like very well built and like muscled. Okay. And yeah, you you catch up with this group. They don't appear to be this procession doesn't appear to be paying you any particular mind. They're sort of going about their business as they arrive at the gates. One of the the guards steps forward. He, he bows and says, "Ah, oh, we're we're to convey you." Speaking to the procession, uh, we're to convey your mistress directly to her audience with the mayor. Uh, 
at which point uh, a, vo a feminine voice from inside the palanquin says, uh, very good, lead on. And this guard sort of starts leading, heading in through New Zealand, and you see this procession start following afterwards. Uh, can I, uh, is there, I guess, there's guards left at the gate. <clears throat> can I kind of just nudge one and go, who are these weirdos? He says, this is our, he says, well, uh, this is a, uh, this is a visiting di diplomat, uh, someone who wishes to set up a, a, a trading concern in New Zealand. Uh, they've, uh, they've had recent correspondences with the, with the Mayor Kersey, and um, it appears that they've, they've finally reached an agreement and they've, they've arranged for a personal meeting. Uh, I, I know, uh, I know the Mayor gave orders that if the, uh, if the new Castellan of New Zealand, uh, should, should return that he would ideally like him to be present at, at the meeting uh, we were all told just to be you know on our best behavior show due deference to the visiting diplomat and uh, when she arrived to to convey her directly to his residence okay, well we'd best be going so if the mayor wants us to attend uh, and i guess we'll follow the procession towards the yeah, not a problem. You follow the procession to the mayor's house. Obviously, you know where the mayor lives in the sort of northern, more affluent district of New Zealand. You, the procession continue at their sort of rhythmical pace. So, are you guys looking to get there at the same time? Before them? After them? Because obviously, you 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 know the way. You could head through the side streets. And like get there much quicker than they they can, but they're obviously being led down the main street because they can't have this whole procession going down all the little alleyways and stuff like that. It'd be ridiculous. I think they go faster. Yeah, yeah. Get there first. Yeah, you guys, not a problem. You know the layout of this place far better than they do. You had in with like your recent sort of dislocation in time. You head through the alleyways. You arrive at Mayor Kersey's house, and when you get there, you see the slightly plump, sort of ginger mutton chopped figure of Mayor Kersey sort of standing outside. He's like wringing his pudgy hands a little. He's got his, uh, he's got his monocle in. You can see he's, uh, he's uh, puffing away on his pipe, which you've noticed he seems to do a little more when he's nervous. He, uh, he's got his guards there. You can see they're all like, they're all done out in their like Sunday best, like their dress uniforms, effectively. And he's wearing a, a suit that probably like five years ago was probably like tailored to fit him however it, obviously he's been living the good life a little bit too hard and uh, it's now looking a bit tight on him to say the least but you know he squeezed himself into like his nicest waistcoat etc he he sees you all approaching and he sort of rubs his hands together and he like puffs on his pipe and he's like he looks directly at you Weimar and he's like oh oh good uh cast a lot huh? uh, I, I'm glad you're here uh, I I was hoping to uh I was hoping to have you uh for for the for this uh this uh, meeting, but uh, I I did send a messenger to uh, your lodgings, which I gather are to the, uh, the 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 hunter and beetle. But I, they they told me that you left. Indeed, we've now returned from business. Oh, <clears throat> jolly, what, jolly good, jolly good. What what meeting is this? He says, Ah, well, uh, I have a uh, I have a meeting with a uh, a, f a fairly influential uh, 
lady by the name of a Thorn Rosier. She's one of the uh, she's one of the people who uh, runs the. You may have heard of it. She's one of the people who runs the uh, the area known as a uh, colloquially as Hagshaw. Uh, she has. When a, she you has say a, runs the area. Are we talking title or? Well, from from what I gather, uh, there's a effectively there's a there's an order of priestesses of some kind uh, in charge of that area and the various sacraments and whatnot throughout the area. Uh, I gather there's a uh, three head priestesses in charge. I, I can't claim to know all the details. Uh, uh, Thorn Rosie is uh, one of these uh, these high priestesses, uh, although she seems to have something more of a uh, a business uh, mind, a uh, trading mind, which is why we've been corresponding. Uh, she has uh, a number of trade concerns uh, throughout Hagshaw, and she wishes to open a, a branch of her business in New Zealand. Uh, we've been negotiating for some time. Uh, we finally got to the stage. As you know, we're, we're trying to spread our wings in terms of trade a little, you know, keep the trade flowing. Mm -hmm. uh, we've we've reached the point where we're effectively at the point where we, I thought a personal meeting would be would be pertinent. Uh, so I've, uh, I've invited her. I, I must admit, I wasn't expecting uh, quite all the, uh, the, the pomp of uh, the, uh, the processions that my, that my messengers have told me are are approaching, but uh, obviously, given recent security concerns, etc., I did want to have someone who was a little had their finger a little bit more on the pulse of that sort of thing. And obviously, as you are, you are the castellan of uh, New Zealand. Of course, uh, security is a uh, is your domain. I didn't want you to think I was infringing on your uh, your territory. I, you know, I believe in a I believe in a distinction between the military and the uh, the more sort of trade based uh, things. So. But um, yes, I'm. I'm glad you could be here. Uh, I, I'd like to. I'd like to get your uh, your opinion of uh, of uh, Thorn Rosie and uh, her her proposal. You know, I, I, it's my belief that uh, although this this technically falls within my my remit as the mayor because it's connected with trade, obviously anything that could potentially be a threat to the security of New Zealand falls within your your remit. So I would rather we were. We were of both of, of the same mind before any agreement was reached. Uh, since we seem to get off uh, to such a splendid footing when we uh, when we uh, did discussed our our duties and our relationship previously, and it's uh, is a gesture of respect, I think, ah. to have both of us there. In yes, indeed. Case, regardless of anything else. Indeed, and obviously, yeah. I, I would not a uh, I would not dream of uh, giving it the the rubber stamp, so to speak, um, without discussing it with yourself first. So, um, yeah, I quickly uh, turn to Malcolm Brock Quentin. So, well, uh, looks like <laughs> there's my uh, uh, my itinerary is filling up now. Um, so I shall go. If you have need, I don't know. Maybe send someone or come find yourselves. Um, at which point the uh, the mayor breaks and he says, oh, I'm, I'm, "I'm sorry to interrupt you, uh, Castellan. I, I, I couldn't help but overhear." And you're like, "He could." Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't help but overhear. Uh, of course, uh, your uh, your staff are are welcome to uh, are welcome to join us. Uh, obviously, I, I will have my my scribes and such like there. Obviously, uh, Thorn Rosie will have her people there. Uh, I, I don't think anyone would object. As much as I'd like to, my liege, I have business elsewhere in the city this evening. Oh, well, I, 
I, I quite understand, my fine fellow. I, I do admire. I am an entrepreneur. Tell me what what line of work, what line of work are you in, my my fine young fellow? Acquisition. Oh, a trader. Purchase. <laughs> oh, splendid, splendid. We, 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 we must talk about this when we have time. But um, yes, I, I wouldn't dream of a. I wouldn't dream of interrupting your uh, your business. Uh, business is the lifeblood of New Zealand, as I always like to say. I always thought it was the people, but yes. Well, yes, but uh, I suppose you can't have business without people. That's very true. Wise words, young fellow, wise words. Uh, Brock, Malcolm, feel free to come with, or maybe Quentin needs a hand. Uh does Quinton need a hand or backup? No, I'll be fine. Okay, then I'll stay and see what's going on. Yeah, I'll, I'll join the party. Let's see what I've got to say. The, the mass is... Uh, by the way, I know we've got a, a little time before the uh, before this uh, all this pomp and this procession arrives. Uh, is, it, is it correct when I hear uh, Castellan that you're, uh, you're staying in a tavern? Yes, well, but then you haven't you I, haven't taken up residence in one of the towers yet. Uh, and he looks surprised. hadn't hadn't had the time to sort these matters out, and well, res uh, resorting to my uh, uh, sort of usual uh, methods, uh, it's fine. Well, well I'm fine. Well, well, you do have quarters at the. Uh, at the towers, uh, that that is traditionally the. I mean, I'm not telling your business, uh, Castellan, but it, that is traditionally the where the uh, where the Castellan would uh, live. I, I'm sure the uh, I'm sure the quartermaster of the uh, the towers would uh, would uh, value a chance to to speak with you and uh, apprise you of the financial goings on and whatnot and what you need to know. Yes, at, the, at the very least, I should probably do exactly that. Talk to the quartermaster. Yes, good, def definitely. Uh, yes, uh, someone of your. I, I appreciate that you may not be used to this, uh, but someone of your uh, your standing, you know, you need to you, you need to reside somewhere appropriate that conveys the, the the gravitas of your of your position within the town. There's there's gravitas. Uh, I feel like to be had in living with the people. As well, oh, a different well. source, perhaps. But well, I won't tell you your business, Castellan. I'm sure you know it better than I. And as they're saying this, the you hear like the drums sort of like getting closer, and you see down the sort of main road this procession of these these strange sort of primitive looking grey green skinned humanoids and this big palanquin coming down the street. The as it reaches, just sort of like. A little bit shy of where you are the mayor sort of does like a a little bow in front of the the procession again you all see this time this like quite large but elegant pale skinned feminine hand comes out and sort of makes a gesture and you hear like the straining of like the muscles of these figures as they like lower this palanquin down to the ground and two of them pull the curtains back and you can see for the first time the person who is inside. You can see sat cross-legged on a silk cushion is a large, pale-skinned, voluptuous-looking woman who must be eight or nine feet tall 
as she sort of steps out and stands up to her full height. She's dressed in elegant flowing silks. She has many precious looking sort of bracelets up her arms and uh, many precious looking rings on her fingers. She looks incredibly beautiful. She steps forward, smiles, sort of does a little bow herself in front of the mayor. Then as he sort of stands up, she she holds a hand out like that. He, he bends forward and uh, does the traditional kiss on the hand. And she says in a in a very flowing, sort of lyrical, musical and beautiful voice, which obviously I can't do, she says, Ah, Mayor Kersey, it's, it's a pleasure to finally meet you face to face after all our correspondence. It's my hope that should this meeting prove fruitful, then I will soon be able to set up a a branch of my bathhouse in your great town of New Zealand. Which with the, the, the mayor sort of slightly stammering, uh, he looks a bit flustered and a bit red-cheeked as he's looking at this like giant, beautiful woman in front of him. And he's like, oh, yes, of course, uh, of course, uh, Lady uh, Rosie. She's like, oh, please, um, Fawn Rosie is... Uh, it's perfectly adequate. I, I don't stand on titles myself. And he says, "Ah, oh, yes, of course, uh, Thorn Rose. May, may, may I present to you uh, the, 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 the Lord Castellan of uh, Protector of New Zealand. This is a uh, Castellan Weimar Lone Grove." She looks towards you. Says, "Charmed, I'm sure." And she holds out her hand again. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I, I yeah, grab like, it and I shake it. You shake it. <laughs> she, she, she laughs musically. <laughs> And then so that takes her hand back and then she says, uh, well, uh, I, I tr- I, I'm quite happy to leave my my men out here. I can appreciate the fact that there, there are rather a lot of them for your building. But shall we shall we step inside and discuss things further? And he's like, yes, yeah, yes, of, of course, uh, of course, my lady, come, come through. I have I have my meeting room prepared. And obviously you all head into this meeting room. And you can see that since you guys were last here, it's obviously been almost like redecorated. You know, they've got all the best silverware out and there's like new paintings and like, he's obviously trying to create an impression of opulence in this meeting room. There's a, a long table set out like a dining table, plush backed chairs all around it. Everything like oozes luxury and opulence as you walk in. The the bear says, ah, of course I have a, I've bought some of my finest uh, chefs to a, prepare us a meal so that we can discuss things in comfort and civility and he says uh, would you care to uh would you care to eat first and discuss business afterwards or would you rather get straight to it at which point he looks at both yourself weimar and at this uh this beautiful woman thorn rosie she's like well i'm i'm sure whatever suits yourself and your Lord Castellan is absolutely fine with me, Mayor Kersia. I I am in no rush this evening. I I am hoping after our discussions that I can sample some of the delights of your beautiful town. After all, I have never visited here in person. Of course, I have heard a I've heard a lot about it from uh, the people of Dear Son, those who have visited. But I've never been here myself, and I, I must say I, I'm quite impressed. I have to sample some of its delights shortly. Oh, you 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 do as a you, you do as an honour, lady. 
Uh, yes, uh, of course. Uh, obviously, we are, we are at your disposal. Should you should you require a guide or anything of that like, uh, I can't say we are uh, we have much in the way of uh, public houses or anything like that. Uh, there is, of course, the uh, the Hunter and Beetle Tavern, but uh, of course, I I can arrange for 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 more suitable suitable quarters for someone of your station. Should it be should it be required? She's like, well, I'm sure we can get on to a. Uh, discuss those matters uh, shortly it, it's fine it's fine and they they sit down and as like food's being bought out obviously you can all tuck into the food there's like plates of soup and like bread and various there's like a, a three-course banquet is basically put on in front of you all at various points and obviously i'm not going to go into all the details of their business arrangements but as the evening progresses it appears that thorn rosy this this giantess of a woman has a in dear son and in a few other places has like basically branches of like these bath houses you know where basically people can go in they can enjoy like hot baths they can get pampered stuff like that and she's she's like talking about oh yes um i've got a uh i've got a branch of it set up in dear son a branch of it set up in a virago town and she says in fact recently i've uh I've approached the authorities of uh, of uh, Bra uh, Brackenwald and uh, uh, the the new uh, Roheline Council, um, and they seem to be quite receptive to the idea of me setting up branches in their respective areas as well. But uh, I I'm hoping that uh, New Zealand will be the first outside of our own little area of Hagshaw, and she appears to be proposing setting up this bathhouse. And the, the mayor basically seems to be pretty much all on board. He's like, oh, you know, like we're getting like some people with a bit more money coming through now. We're getting a bit more prosperous. The sort of clientele that's coming through New Zealand is just on that cusp of getting to slightly higher standards. He's like, oh, like a, a sort of posh, like pampering place like this could obviously like help draw in more of those high rollers, those people with more money to spend and obviously you guys know the mayor he's all about like whatever gets most money like moving into new zealand because he's all about the trade and that progresses obviously if any of the meeting seems to be going pretty well he's basically saying oh you know would you need to hire local tradesmen stuff like that and she's saying no i've got my own people uh, who are very expedient very quick like putting up buildings etc or we could buy one that already exists and refit it to our needs. He's saying basically, how long would you need to to set it up? Assuming we we give permission, she's like, well, it, it'll take um, a day. At which point the mayor seems like quite shocked. He's like, a day, and she sort of laughs and says, as I've said, my my people are extremely proficient. Uh, obviously, I wouldn't dream of setting up stakes here without. Uh, the permission of yourself and the, the the relevant authorities but once we have that permission it won't take us long to to establish a branch of our bathhouses here and the conversation carries on like i said this is all between like courses and over wine and various drinks bought out etc and you guys all of you you're you're pretty much weighted on hand and foot by the the serving staff here and every time you're like glass is empty you don't even have to lift it up and go like that someone sees your glass is empty comes over with a wine bottle and is a <coughs> tops it up every time your plates are empty like more foods bought out like must be costing like a small fortune to like put this big banquet on 
obviously like, the mayor's looking a little bit flustered he's obviously trying to put on like a good impression though so as this conversation is going on which like i say i'm not going to go into 100 detail because it take hours but is there anything you guys want to ask or like question or anything like that as this conversation is going on so i'll say there are points where if you've got any concerns or anything like that you can interject into this like this negotiation that's sort of going on So, um, do they have a sort of, are they going to be referring people to come to New Zealand as well? What I'm thinking is like when someone goes to their franchises, like, is, is there going to be like, yeah, that, that's pretty much what they seem to be suggesting, setting up like a franchise right. operation mm -hmm. and then um, she you ask for this and she says well mm. at the, the main benefit of having one of the branches of our bath house in here is of course we would be hiring many local people to to work inside the bathhouse itself and our aim is obviously we have we have a couple of branches set up throughout Valconan, but much as our bathhouses are, are splendid i admit <laughs> i'm a little biased but they are splendid of course if you're if you're in the area of New Zealand and you're you're a, a well-to-do noble and you fancy a little bit of pampering to to wash the dust of travel out of your hair it's it's a long ride to Virago town or to dear son we would rather have where the people go we would like to have a branch and people are passing through here can avail themselves of our bathhouses without having to travel an unfeasible distance and of course if we if we if we had a let's say if we had a, a client in Virago Town who was travelling to New Zealand on business, of course we would say to them, well, oh, we we have a branch in New Zealand. You really must stop by there, refresh yourself, etc. And the money that they would spend there would, of course, via taxes and uh, the employment of local people, would help to contribute to your splendid town. So, I will have mentioned at some point here as we discuss this, I will have mentioned to the mayor that um, I think this sounds good, and I think what we need to do is we need to take whatever is in the um, sort of I don't know, public funds, uh, however <laughs> he runs the, the show here, um, we need to invest in a uh, basically lodgings for fancier people like you know, okay. luxury accommodation oh, splendid idea Castellan says the mayor uh, yes yeah, so it's definitely now we've started to get more of a an upscale uh, uh clientele coming through and new zealand i i firmly believe we're we're on the cusp of taking the next step in the fortunes of new zealand and if we are going to expand we need to be attracting people like a like the good lady of thorn rose here who are going who are willing to invest substantially in our town so that we can continue to grow it and it can continue to prosper yeah yeah i make sure that uh, he understands that i like the idea of a pipeline where like anyone comes in will 
you know, cross-reference them to the bathhouse and these lodgings so that the lodgings would be close to the bathhouse. You get the sort of whole package. Yep. They own the bathhouse, we own the accommodations, that sort of thing. Yep, she seems more than amenable to that. Now, Malcolm, as you're sort of like watching this, this to and fro and this sort of negotiations going on, you, you happen to glance over at the lady Thorn Rosie, and as you do so, you feel a you feel a noticeable sort of like your your sword, the um the green blade. You feel like the blade noticeably like get warmer. Like not like, oh my god, it's burning my leg off, but like noticeably warmer. Like you'd held like you'd held your leg against a radiator for a short time. And as you're sort of looking at it for a split second to your eyes, and your eyes only her form appears to like shift and flicker and for just a split second instead of this beautiful voluptuous pale-skinned eight-foot-tall woman standing there there is this withered wretched almost skeletal looking like hag-like figure of much the same height but like hunched over like claw-like hands but then you like blink and she's back to like being this amazingly beautiful looking woman Okay. You you quickly like look around. I don't I don't see that. But everyone else is just carrying on chatting. Like no one else appears to have perceived it. Um. So I will. Um. I guess subtly, when the conversation moves away from me and Weimar, I will uh, whisper in his ear that that my sword showed me a vision. That says that she's not all that she pretends to be, and would your own sword have a sense of what might be going on? Um, yeah, I give Malcolm a, a slight nod, and uh, John, I will touch the pommel okay. of the sun blade, and uh, I will I will ask it uh, to take a peek at the thoughts of this negotiator. Okay, so obviously in your mind, not out loud, because mm -hmm. you've mm -hmm. progressed beyond the need for that now. You <laughs> know, so like, oh, tell me what magic the the sword says Well um, I I don't know about the nature of it, but there's there's definitely some sort of semi permanent magical working around it. Uh, unraveling magics isn't really my speciality it's a it's possible that my my sibling blade wielded by your fellow over there might uh, might have the ability to pierce such deceptions obviously we all have our although we are similar in a way we are all different in others we all have our own different abilities right i suppose i i thought as much because um, Which, in the same way, we all have our, our different ways of communicating. Like I can, I can quite happily chat to you now, uh, in the psychic plane, I suppose you might call it. Whereas uh, the, uh, mm -hmm. the, the the green blade appears to appears not to va either is not capable or seems not to value verbal communication, as we've seen previously. It, it's shown the ability to conjure phantasms to communicate, albeit silently. So. Uh, it would seem to follow to me that perhaps it has some ability to perceive or maybe pierce such spectral illusions or whatever you want to call them. I'm not a, I'm not a, mm. a wizard. I 
don't know what they call them. Mm. Have you any insight into the the thoughts of this lady? He says, uh, "Hold on a second. I'll um, I'll have a quick look." And and he goes like quiet for a little bit, and uh, that suddenly like it's something like the voice gets like quieter, like he's like walk the the sword is like walking down a corridor away from you, even though obviously the sword hasn't moved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then so like the voice like comes back a, a bit louder. And it's like, "Hello, oh, that that's dashed on. I'm I, I'm not I'm not getting anything at all." And uh, as the sword says this, you you actually see this uh, the woman turns and like looks directly at you while Moran just smiles. Mm-hmm. I smile back. She, she doesn't say anything or make any reference mm-hmm. to it. And the sword says, "Well, either either she's not actually here, which isn't possible because we've seen her we've seen her interacting with the, the food she's been eating, drinking, or whatever, and all of that sort of malarkey." Or she's she's got some quite powerful uh, shield or magic that's blocking my abilities. I mean, after all, I know I'm impressive, but I'm not infallible. Hmm. I um, lean over to Malcolm and let him know that it's some kind of mirage and uh, that perhaps his sword could dispel it if we had need to do that. Um, And I wonder, do we, or are we happy to let it play out? I think it might, we, we don't know anything, but it I find it credible that it would just be a matter of courtesy. I imagine it must be. Uh, they come from some place called the Hag Shore. Now we we know what that might mean, and it must be rough doing business. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think it might just be. A lot easier for them to do this instead of not. <laughs> okay. But I think they're asking for business, right? So they want coin. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, then let us leave them to their business. The obviously the conversation continues, and at a break in in the conversation, this. Uh, this woman, this thorn Rosie, turns to look at you, Malcolm, and he says, Ah, uh, Mr. Harp, isn't it? It is. I believe you're acquainted with uh, with one of my order? Uh, perhaps. Uh, Peggy? What might her name be? Ah, yes. Peggy. My very good friend, Peggy. How is she? Oh, she's she's absolutely fine, absolutely fine. I, she actually she left me with a a brief a message for you. 
she says to tell you that uh, she isn't quite happy with how your uh, your little arrangement worked out previously, albeit it did it did not uh, end as she expected, which she says that she is she is quite happy with how it worked out, and she considers your your the favour you owed her repaid. Well, I am glad to hear that. Um, oh, not at all, not at all. Well, of course, it was a, it was the, the recent events in the in the night of colourless fire that enabled our, our sisterhood through our preserving of, the settlements in the area, which you now call Hagshaw, enabled us to, to step fully forward and be embraced by the people there, without, the nights of colourless fire occurring, and she like smiles and like nods towards you that may not have been possible well i am glad that things have worked out indeed and i am i'm aware mr hart that uh, there are those who seek to to slander us merely because we we have sought to negotiate a a peace between ourselves and the 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 lord of the the mountains in whose shadow we sit but it seems to me that it is far better to negotiate a mutual peace that benefits us both than waste pointless lives in a conflict that neither of us would benefit greatly from. So, true, true words of wisdom. Oh, you're be sure. You're too kind, of Mister Hart. But uh, yes, uh, as I said, uh, my my sister considers your. Your favour fully repaid. Excellent. And she said to pass on her regards. And please return my own. I, I of course will. And uh, my my third sister, she has also been a uh, Atrix. She has also, I believe, she's also known to yourself. Uh, she has been inquiring about you when I said I was travelling here. Uh, you, you may have known her in a in her previous life she was a she was a young artist who who operated out of dear son uh, she was forced to, she was forced to leave there uh, for the uh, the village of haven that was a uh, due to some unpleasantness so unfortunately the the village of haven was uh, destroyed during the nights of colorless fire but we we've embraced her and brought her into our order and she is now a uh, She's now one of the people who helps ensure that Hagshaw will continue to prosper in the future, and she's doing a, a splendid job of it. I gather she was a she was quite fond and quite grateful to yourselves for your help in her leaving dear son due to the unpleasantness, and of course, myself and my sisters are of course grateful because without without you having helped her, we would not have been able to bring her into the the bosom of our sisterhood. Yes, we do remember her fondly. Uh, Indeed, it's one of, obviously not the only reason, but it's one of the reasons I, I'm so keen to set up a, a branch of our, our bathhouses here, because as I say, so at least two of our, two of our trio, and she sort of chuckles to herself, uh, regard you all so fondly. Obviously, I have not had the privilege of meeting you all previously, but from what I hear from my sisters, I'm sure we will get on famously. I certainly hope so. 
and then the the talk sort of goes back to business and she's sort of negotiating the the mayor's telling you know the standard rates of tax and what should be expected to be like taxed on a building and the tax our employees would be paying and he's basically said oh you know if you hire like local people we'll give you like a little bit of a tax break obviously to encourage you to like employ more locals and she's saying oh well, she has like a small sort of a group of i suppose like managerial in inverted commas would be the best way of putting it staff that she'll bring in to help manage it but like the, the vast majority of the other employees there will be hired from amongst the the local people of New Zealand, they would then be trained by a sort of cadre of existing staff, and in time, the idea would be that they would be able to like be elevated to these managerial positions, and then obviously she, her her management staff would like return to one of the other the other sort of bases of operations they've got, and it would be a then a fully sort of like localized operation employing a hundred percent sort of local people, which seems to please the mayor. Because he's like, oh, you know, get more people employed. And obviously, like, more people employed equals more people you can tax. And obviously, more rich people spending more money there means he can charge more tax and he can get more money out of it, which seems to be like his main sort of overriding goal of like getting more money. Is there anything anyone else wants to bring up while this sort of business meeting is continuing i know we're sort of like skipping over it a lot here but i didn't think you'd you'd rally sort of two hours of me like talking through a talking to myself through a business meeting i think we're good okay so the the meeting winds to a close and the the mayor says um lord castellano do, do you have any i i'm quite satisfied to uh to uh sign this uh agreement obviously uh, we would need your signature as well uh Lord Castellan on the the paperwork, and he sort of like clicks his fingers, and a, a sort of a scribe who's been like sat at the side, sort of like writing down the important bits of this meeting, like a scroll with a quill, sort of comes over with like what looks to be like standard sort of paperwork. There's space for three signatures at the bottom. You can see like next to it, in neatly like flowing uh, calligraphy writing, is like the Lady Thorn Rosie. Under that, it says a uh, mayor, the mayor. Under that, it says the Lord Castellan. And uh, he says, "Well, if if you're if you're satisfied, uh, Lord Castellan, I'm I'm perfectly happy to uh, to, to sign this agreement. Uh, do, do you have any questions before we uh, put a uh, put feather to paper, so to speak?" I believe we've covered most of the important aspects, and we'll cover the rest when it comes to it. Splendid, splendid. Uh, he. He sort of turns the, the scroll round. Uh, his scribe brings up a little ink pot with a quill, come out of it, and he, he puts it on the table in front of uh, the lady Thorn Rose. He says, "Oh, my lady, if you would, uh, if you would be so kind as to uh, to sign uh, this paper here." And while he's doing that, the scribe like puts out like another one, which is written out the same, and then puts out a third one that is written out the same. And he says, "If you just sign these, uh, ch check these agreements to make sure you're happy with them. Obviously, they're all identical. Uh, one copy is for you, one for myself, and one for the Lord Castellan." If you could sign all three of them, and she's like, "Yes, of course." And she takes up this quill, signs her name on it, on the second one, on the third one. The the mayor then sort of like waits a few moments for the ink to dry. He like takes the quill, dips it in, signs his name on the three, and they says, uh, "If you would, my my lord Castellan." Yeah, and I do. I sign them. Okay, you sign them. You see the. The scribe sort of like picks them all up and like blows on them and like drops a bit of powder on them to like dry the ink. 
He then folds them up, wraps a bit of ribbon around them, gets the old uh, sealing wax out, at which point the, the mayor reaches over and sort of puts his like signet ring into the wax, does that on all three of them. One of these scrolls is handed to you, Weimar, by the scribe. Another is handed to Thorn Rosie, and one is handed to the mayor. Oh, splendid. I'm going to please see our, our business meeting has uh, reached such a, uh, a fruitful and hopefully lucrative uh, end. Uh, it has been a pleasure, an absolute pleasure speaking with you, uh, my lady. And she's, oh, yes, I'm also pleased that uh, our business relations are getting off to such a sterling start. Uh, if you don't have any objection, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to get my people uh, started straight away on uh, the business of securing our premises. So, and he's like, oh, and you're sure you don't need any help with that, uh, my lady? A construction worker's like, no, 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 it's absolutely fine. My, my people are very proficient. Uh, as I've said, it should take us a, approximately a day to, to set up. The mayor looks still looks a little, like, a little bit unsure. He's like raised an eyebrow, and he's like, well. As you say, uh, my lady, it's uh, it's your affair. We're we're happy for you to uh, establish your uh, bathhouse here, but and uh, how you choose to construct it, as long as you you keep within the the laws of New Zealand, of course. Then uh, th that is fine. Uh, if if you wish to leave straight away, I'll let you get about your business. She she stands up again, offers a hand to the mayor, who like bends and kisses it, and she offers a hand to you, Weimar. I'm assuming you like. Do the awkward handshake yep, again. Yeah, shake it. Yeah. You see, like the mayor sort of like bristles a bit. He's like, "What? That's supposed to do." But he does. He doesn't say anything. And she, she she smiles and laughs musically again. And then she says, "Well, gentlemen," and she nods at all of you in turn. It has been a pleasure. And she turns around, her voluminous like velvet gown sweeping the floor as she walks out. You see her through the open door. She gets back into the palanquin, sits on the, the cushion cross-legged. The curtains are closed by her, her workers, her, her men. They strain and pick up this palanquin again. The, the party sort of pivots round. And again, the drummers at the front start. Doom, doom, doom. And this procession, still with these torches lit, starts heading off down the main street. The mayor sort of... You seem like sag visibly as like obviously like the stress and like the relief that this is like mm -hmm. dealt with. So like all the stress just like drains out of him, and he sort of flops down in his chair, and he's like, Whew, and he puts his scroll, his copy of the agreement, on the table in front of him. And he's like, well, uh, that all seemed to go extremely well. As much as I enjoy the business of business, so to speak, uh, they, they are. It is a very high stress uh, situation. And he sort of like loosens his like his like little like necktie a little bit, mm -hmm. yeah, almost like a man who's like just come home from work and they're like, Ugh, yeah, um, yeah. Um, well done, well done. Uh, I think overall, the true value is probably in having the people such as they are. This, this particular segment, anyway, of Hagshore in closer communication with us. That's... He says, well, uh, yes, I'm, I'm sure you're right, uh, Lord Castell. And obviously, as you're aware, my, uh, my principal motivation is the, is the expansion and the continued prosperity of, of New Zealand. It's, 
Now, some may say that it's a, a foolish dream, but uh, obviously there are no there are no cities as such uh, in Valcona. It's my it's my dream that one day New Zealand might become such a place, a a glittering jewel of a of a trade centre, shining like a beacon on the the shores of Valcona, the mouth of the Great River. And he almost seems like lost in like a reverie, as I imagine. Mm. He's like, oh yes, it. Uh, It'll be a splendid thing, uh, but there's a there's a lot of work to do, and uh, well, we need to we need to expand our reach before we can uh, reach that lofty state. Have you ever considered becoming a poet instead of a mate? <laughs> well, I I don't know about that. I'll admit I I've been known to wax lyrical a little bit when it comes to a when it comes to trade, but. Uh, no, I fear I'm far too I'm far too weighed down with sins of an earthly sort to uh, to reach the exalted uh, heights that uh, poets and such like uh, claim to be uh, inspired by. I I see I see all the poetry I need in the in the glint of a gold coin at the end of a satisfactory transaction. That's my poetry. Here's the great new verse. I say, as I eat, eat drink his... the rest of my wine. And he, he glugs a bit of his wine as well. While that's going on, um, have we got Quentin here? Yeah. Okay. So whilst all that's been going on, obviously that's taken like a good few hours. We sort of like skip, sketched through it. What's Quentin up to? You've slept out to go about your business. What's the plan? Yeah. So I've gone to the bar to get a bottle of rum. So you're heading back to the Hunter and Beetle, is that correct? Or Yeah. Yeah, no problem. You head to the uh, you head to the Hunter and Beetle, the tavern where you've been staying. As you walk in, you head up to the bar. Obviously the you've been staying there, so the barman recognizes you. He says, Oh, that'll be that'll be a silver piece. Yeah, okay. You chuck, chuck him a coin, he gives you like a bottle. And then he says, Oh, um, by the way, uh, there's a there's a fellow over there who was uh, asking after you and your party. I told them that you were staying here, but you're out. And he, he points to a table, and as you look at it, you see the the figure of Matt Lal, the the red robed wearing old fellow who spoke to you when you were looking at the statue of the ancient gods, who claimed to be like a priest of the old ways. And he sort of he doesn't appear to have noticed you yet, but he's a he sat at the the table, sort of looking about a bit. He's got a a little like tankard on the table in front of him. He's wearing like, these dusty sort of like red robes. I'll stick. I'll walk over, stick the bottle on the table, and just give him a quick nudge. He he, see, he obviously sees you and says, "Oh, uh, uh, greetings to you. I'm I'm pleased that uh, you've returned. Tell me, are the are the rest of your your party with you?" Uh, they're just talking to the mayor at the moment. Oh, well, oh, um, I, I see. Well, well that, that's not a matter. It was really a yourself I, I wanted to speak to. Uh, I, I I must, first of all, make a, a humble apology. I was entrusted with a, a letter by a, a mutual friend of ours. However, given all the recent furore and people not being what they... They seem to be. I'm sure you understand. I, mm-hmm. I had to do a little bit of investigating before I, before I turned over the the letter to, 
and I, and I don't mean any offense to make sure you were who you said you were I, I'm now satisfied of course that you are and uh, I, I would discharge this duty from a, a mutual friend that he he holds out a a small scroll and offers it towards you like a rolled up piece of parchment yeah I'll take it and give it a read you open it up and you see the crabbed sort of spidery handwriting of the sage Quilak on the parchment. And as you unroll it and read it, it's almost as though you can hear his voice sort of reading it out to you as you read it. And it says, Ah, greetings, my young friend. Given how long you've been missing, it seems unlikely I will ever get to smoke another pipe with you, but one can but hope. Miss Dixon has done an admirable job with the town in your absence, and I, I like to think I've contributed in small way. However, the, the time has come for me to leave New Zealand to continue pursuing my own goals. I've heard rumours of a strange land to the east over the forbidding range formed where the Black Spine and Mirror Peak Mountains meet. I have been in communication with the Leng, strange folk, but they are an unparalleled source of information. In case you should return before I do, I have left this message with a young priest by the name of Matt Lal, who has been a, a firm friend to me in the last few years. If the tribal spirits are willing, perhaps we will meet again. Your friend, Quilak. P.S. If Mr. Harp is with you still, let him know that, in view of everything that has happened, I am perfectly happy not to pursue any further money owed to me on this one occasion. <laughs> and that's all he wrote. At which point the uh, the, the priest says, uh, "Well, I, I've um, I've handed the the letter over as I as I said I would do. So I, I'll leave you to the rest of your business. May may you walk in the shadow of the old gods." He smiles, nods, and you, and he makes his exit stage left. Okay, I'll, I'll roll that back up nice and tight and put it in a pouch. No problems. Now I'm going to take this bottle and go to the meeting place that I agreed to. With the crimson coin. Yep, not a problem whatsoever. You head to the old warehouse building that you agree would serve as a, a meeting place, and it doesn't take you too long to locate Martha Perkins. You see this this young woman, one piercing blue eye, eye patch over the other, sort of side swept, sort of short cut, red hair. What do you say to her? Good evening. Oh, good evening, girl. So I thought you were—I thought you were in Brackenwald. I hadn't thought you'd be back for a good few days. Great secret. She, she raises her eyebrows and says, um, "Well, fair enough, I suppose." So, how, how did things go in Brackenwald? Extremely well. I've met our mutual friend Tristan. Ah, she smiles. I've informed him that we're taking a small break for a week. And how did he react to that? He gulped. Well, th that's better than I was expecting, she says. Um, and obviously I've we've, also... uh, we've, uh, we've kept to our agreement in terms of the, the suspension of our more overt activities. This is where it's going to get um, better for you. 
I've informed him that we'll be sending people that are uh, more noted around here to Brackenwald. I see. To ply their trade. What we didn't tell him is we know how to get there faster. We do? Well, I do. I see. Uh, obviously, I don't expect you to reveal your your trade secrets, as you say, but how much oh, no, faster no, no, are we talking? You're easily going to save a couple of days. She sort of lets out a low whistle under her breath and says, well, that, that would certainly be a boon for for moving people outside of the normal channels. Yes. Now, unfortunately, you haven't got a lot of time to use this channel before it's given to the mayor as a bargaining chip. I see. So what I propose is you send some people and you start marking buildings that are of a monetary interest to us. I see. So scoping out potential future targets. Mm -hmm. You then hit the highest profile one that you can and use this method of travel to escape. I see. Thus causing the same furore over there as we have here. Obviously I'm I'm quite willing to to, to go with this purely for the the, the profit values, but uh, I, I get the idea. I, I know you're a shrewd man, Quentin. I, I get the idea that uh, we're not doing this simply to uh, acquire some excess coinage. No, this what, is to... What, what's, what's the long game in this? To fill your bargain, you have to do a certain amount of things for him, correct? That's true. Now... If his plan is seen to fail through no fault of your own, you have fulfilled your terms. I see. So, so what you're saying is that we we effectively make him look unsuitable for his position in Brackenwald, and then when he is removed from being involved in the trade agreements, we're effectively off the hook. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Well, it's meanwhile. So sorry, go ahead. Give it, give it a week, and the mayor will find out about this travel route. I see. So he also now has a bargaining chip. So again, his plan for you will fail without you actually having done anything wrong. At least in his eyes. No, I, I see what you're saying. It's a, it's it's an audacious plan, but yes, I, I can see it working. I mean, from what I know about, want to know about Brackenwald, uh, Tristan's uh, position is mainly due to his, uh, his being the cousin of the Duke. But I'm sure if he ceases to show progress and results, there are plenty of other hungry nobles who would look to displace him from that position that's the problem with nobles they'll eat each other <laughs> isn't that the truth that that's that's why i quite prefer that's why i like my dukes like i like my books 
fictional. <laughs> and she, she has a bit of a chuckle. She says, yes, I think, I think that's a, I think that's a, a daring, but also a, and I don't mean to, I mean to blow smoke up your ass, but a, I think that's a, a little stroke of genius, Quentin. Yes, well, yes, we can definitely do that. Excellent. So, this is what you do. This is where you go. And I will tell her where the gateway is. Okay, at first she... You explain how the gateway works and where it is and where it comes out, etc. And you're like, oh, basically it will shave you like two days off your travel time. And you explain, you know, blood and sap to activate it, etc. And she seems a bit sort of sceptical at first. You know, because you're like, oh yeah, there's these like two magic gateways. But after a bit, she's like, well, it, it seems incredible, but I suppose given all the strange things that occurred during the the nights of colourless fire, it's it's no more bizarre than some of them. And exactly. I, I, I think I, I know, you, I know we're not exactly bosom companions, Quentin, but I think I know you well enough to know that you you wouldn't come here and present me with something like this if it was merely a fiction. Well, I've used it, so it wouldn't be fiction, would it? Yes, and it, and it would certainly explain how you've managed to get back from Brackenwall to here in half the time I was expecting. So, are we in agreement? I think we have an agreement. Excellent. So, uh, just to, so that I can get this straight, just to make sure I understand, I don't want there to be any miscommunication between us. The, the plan is that... I'm going to send a number of our proficient members through these gates mm -hmm. to Brackenwald. They're going to mark out buildings of interest. We're then yep. going to rob said buildings mm -hmm. and escape using these gateways of yours, all as part of an effort to besmirch the reputation of uh, of the Tristan in the hope that he'll be removed from his position. That's correct, because I can think of no pain greater for the man than being removed from his position. Indeed, it'll certainly uh, give him a, a bloody nose, so to speak. And um, obviously, once he is removed, and the the mayor learns of these gateways, by which time we will have withdrawn anyway, mm -hmm. the mayor can then use the gateways as a leverage with whoever is appointed as Tristan's replacement to to gain some concessions on our side instead of theirs. That's correct thus making more profit for the city, yes. therefore more profit for yourselves. Yes, I, as I said, it's it's audacious, but it, I like it. Yes, yes, we'll do that. I'll, uh, as, as, soon as, I, as soon as I leave here, I'll put together a group of my most trusted and proficient men, and I'll, I'll send them through this gateway. Excellent. I take it there's nothing else specifically that you wish us to do when we, when our people arrive at, at Brackenwald? Only if they fancy a little bit of pickpocketing. Well, <laughs> I think it goes without saying that some of them are probably going to engage in a little bit of that. But um, yes, if these... And again, I don't mean anything so, but if these gateways work as you say they do, then I'm sure our people can quickly exit. And after all, it's normally... As I'm sure you know, it's people aren't normally caught in the act, so to speak. It's in the days afterwards 
but That's the correct. incautious pickpocket gets caught, so to speak. Whereas, if you're already two days away, yes, I can. And she's still like she she smiles to herself and sort of scratches near her eye patches. Yes, I, th I think this will work. Well, you lot have fun. <laughs> oh, we will, Quinty. We will. Thank you. And, uh, I I won't forget whose plan this was. Well, and so we meet again. Indeed, uh, and and given how much you've helped the the crimson coin, I, I think we can safely say that uh, to, to to use one of the mayor's terms, your stock is on the rise in the the crimson Excellent. coin. One last thing. Yes, I do need to mention to you. He really does believe there is a duke now. I see. Um, how did you persuade him of that? Well, I gave him a crimson coin and introduced myself as a duke. Now <laughs> well, he believes they actually exist. That is fine by me. Uh, however, I, I will put. I'm sure you know your own business better than I do, Quentin. But I will point out that you've potentially exposed yourself to. There's some danger there should he seek any any retribution when he's removed from his uh, his current position. Obviously, will should any retribution be forthcoming, we'll of course try and help you out as best we can, since you are a, a member of the Crimson Coin. It's the I least we do for any of our members. If it does happen, I'll deal with him. He says, also, uh, one other thing... Uh, Aside from myself, uh, you're probably the, the the most one of our most proficient members of the Crimson Coin at the moment. Uh, certainly, no one else uh, would have come up with a plan as audacious as this. Uh, I'll most likely be leading the the group that heads through to Brackenwald, just so I can make sure everything runs as smoothly as I plan it to. Hopefully, there'll be no problems, but. If something does happen to me while I'm at Brackenwald, the the Crimson Coin will need someone to fill in for me. And well, since you've already seemed to have assumed the mantle of our mysterious Duke, <laughs> would you consider stepping into that position yourself? Should the unfortunate happen, I will consider it. Until that point, I will not consider it. Thank you. Well, hopefully it won't be necessary, but if I wouldn't want, if anything did happen to me, like the worst should happen, I wouldn't like to see everything we've worked for here go to waste. And I fully believe that if, that if I were to simply die or pass on and there was no one ready to step into that place, the infighting amongst those just below me would quite possibly tear the crimson coin apart whereas the duke such as he is is already a known quantity in the the crimson coin so if the duke steps in to assume leadership effectively it wouldn't seem like a change of leadership because i'm simply a humble lieutenant and she smiles i understand well uh, i best go and start organizing all of this uh Hopefully I'll see you when we get back. As I said, enjoy yourselves. <laughs> oh, we will. We will. And she turns and leaves.
I'll just sit back on the chair and drink some of this brandy I've got or whatever it was. Splendid. So what I'm going to suggest we do now, guys, is we have a five-minute comfort break, use of facilities, refresh your drink, etc. Have a think about what you want to do next. And when we come back, we'll sort of do you guys like meeting up and you can decide what you want to do next. So cool. we'll be back in five minutes. So what does old Brock make or what's going on then? Ah, uh, it's a lot of old witchcraft as usual. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was waiting for the uh, when the when the um, when Thorn Rosie came in for like Brock to just like flipping the table like witchery. Nah, he's um, he's gonna view from a distance. Yeah. Tonight, because uh, he, he don't believe in eight foot women. He don't think that's a thing. Not that he's seen before, anyway. So no. And uh, he don't like the name of the uh, the region she comes from. Well, yeah, that's fair. It's a bit on the nose, isn't it? Uh, we'll see. He can't so uh, he can't save the world on his own. So he's got to True. fight his battles. That's it. Obviously, we've got uh, we've got Quentin potentially like moving in higher up in the Crimson Coin. Point it all, mate. <laughs> you it. don't stop. You don't stop at just one. No, no, definitely one's never enough, is it? I mean, honestly, I'm just thinking how much chaos can I sow for all the people to do for me? Makes sense. So what's uh, Malcolm making of everything that's going on thus far? Can't hear you, dude. Uh, I guess it's kind of good that Peggy is not pissed. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and uh, Atrix survived. I think I was quite fond of her as an NPC. Um, and... Uh, Yes, somewhat disappointed that Tristan is still alive, but <laughs> get to that. And, and uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no. 
Excellent. How about Weimar? What do you what's he thinking of what's going on at the minute? Um, I really like the fact that we've got uh, let me pull up the map here. Um, that we've got a sort of very fractured um, area in terms of like who's calling the shots where and we've got these like new sort of uh, I guess like legit like these guys are legit in Hagshore like it's they're the local you know government and stuff which was not even on the table in the previous world um, I quite enjoy the fact that we've got these sort of very disparate very different uh, sort of power centers on the map here. Excellent. Very much looking forward to it, and it's it's fun, you know, making these deals with them. And um, I'm very much looking forward to uh, us going on the grand tour, visiting these places. Indeed. Okay, so as we jump back into it, obviously you guys have had your meeting with the mayor and with uh, Thorn Rosie. Quentin has done his business with the Crimson Coin. Are you guys all planning to like meet back up at the tavern, or? I would imagine so. Okay, yeah, so we'll smash cut to the Hunter and Beetle. It's fairly sort of late in the evening, so people are starting to gather. Like the, the bar area's a bit more full. Obviously, you guys have paid for like lodgings here. So, and people have sort of got used to you like coming and going. I like, see so you've got a few, few sort of strange looks the first few times you came in because of your like antiquated sort of like fashion but you sort of like most of you sort of reattired yourselves for like to sort of blend in a bit more and people have got used to like sort of seeing you about the place anyway so like there's there's barely like a, a ripple raised as you like guys walk back in because you live here you'll have been going in and out all the time so people are people are used to seeing you you uh you head in and there's a uh, as you head in you're also like meat upon your table and uh, as you're sat there you hear a, a fellow on the table next to you and he's like I mean this is all like a few hours later obviously because you've done whatever various business you've had to travel around etc you're a fellow on the opposite table and he's like no no I, I swear it and, and a couple of people sat on the table with him and they're like oh, go on with you how much have you had to drink and he's like alright yeah I've had a few but I'm telling you and they're like nah and then, hey, you've had, and then I want him like, right, points at his flag, and like, you had a few too many of them, mate. And he's like, oh, all right, look, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I'd, had, I'd had a bit to drink. But look, I know my way around New Zealand, and I'm telling you, I saw it, or rather I didn't see it, with like my own two eyes. And they're like, Psh, yeah, whatever. What didn't you see? You sort of say that, and he... This fella looks over and he's like, "Well, I was telling him I was a, uh, I was a uh, walking down, walking down one of the streets in like the, the, the north side district, and then and like I said, I know my way around New Zealand. I'm born and raised, born and raised, and uh, well, I was walking down this road and then suddenly I was at the end of the road without having like gone down the road. I seemed to just turn onto this particular street, and then I was like at the end of it, coming out the other side." And he's like, normally it takes me like a good like ten minutes, like long old street. It takes me a good ten minutes to walk down it. This like it was just like that, and he snaps his fingers. Uh, 
and it is his mates are basically like some like behind him and they're like yeah one of was like yeah pay no mind to him like he'd been drinking for a couple of hours he's probably just forgot and he's like no no honestly i'm i'm telling you i turned onto the street i took maybe maybe two steps maybe three i don't know and uh, just coming through north side i just passed all the the, the furriers up there uh, I, I was on my way. Uh, I was on my way past all you know the roofers and all like that at Malarkey. And well, I turned onto this street, took two steps, and now I was coming out the other end. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna approach this guy, and yeah. quite stern faced, quite serious. He, he looks, what... he looks like a normal sort of like commonplace labourer. You know, he's wearing like he's wearing like workman's clothes, like an o like overalls, basically like the equivalent like bit bit of stubble he's quite sort of like muscular but it's not like honed sort of combat muscle it's like oh you know i'm like i'm like a laborer i'm used to lifting heavy stuff like all day and he does smell uh, he does smell a lot of booze yeah well don't we all he's got like a bit, um, a bit of foam from his beer on like his on like his stubble and what street is this he, he, he looks over at you and he's like a he's like oh all right, uh, big fellow. He's like, uh, and at this point, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this over to to you, Brock. What would you, I'm gonna give you the opportunity? What would you like to name this street? It's a it's a street in the affluent north side sort of district. It's not as wealthy as the east side, but you know, it's like the it's not as poor as south side. It's like the sort of in between area. And what's it? What's it? sort of known for is it a trade well, is it loads of shops or let me move you all onto the to the new zealand map and i'll show you where it is okay so let me know when you're all on the map the world map or... say gate paused That's bizarre. It should have moved you all onto the New Zealand map. Mm. Okay, so while we're waiting, I'll describe it to you guys anyway. Basically, there's through the north gate there's like the main thoroughfare that comes down through the north gate there's a lot of furriers and track sort of trackers and hunters and stuff like that have shops around there that's where malcolm went to previously when you hired like the woodsman who showed you the way to like the north to the as you're sort of like facing into the city to the left of you so to the east is the north side residential district which is just your standard sort of level like residential so, you know you're like a your workers and your professionals live there. Not like you're really like rich nobles, but also not like you're really poor like dockside workers. There's like some hat makers around there. There's some shoemakers, like roofers and masons and plasterers and stuff like that. And then, aside from like the main thoroughfare, there is like a a sort of side street that like cuts the north side district in half. It's like the main route through north side, and it's that street he claims to have been walking down. And he saw like, oh, I just took two steps into it, and then like, I was at the end of it. Right, so it's it's, it's joining uh, the north and the 
the next sort of street down, sort of yeah. thing, or the main. Okay. Um, is it quite a main street? Is it quite a big street? Or is it? Quite yeah, small? it's it, it's it's a pretty big it's a pretty big street. It's not the size of like okay. the main central street that goes that goes directly through, sort of bisecting New Zealand, but it's a fairly substantial sort of street through in the north side district. Um, I don't know. I was hoping to uh, look at the map for inspiration, but <laughs> let me just refresh it. See if it comes up. Okay. No, that has made it worse. Takes a minute to reload. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what I'll tell you what I'll do, guys. Very briefly, I'll um share my screen with you. And hopefully you'll be able to see it here. So can you guys see my screen here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So it's yeah. this street we're talking about. So this is the the street where your icon is. That's the main thoroughfare through New Zealand, and it's this street that goes through Northside that he's talking about. Okay. I mean, we haven't got any. We haven't got any street names at, at this present. No. All right. Okay. So you've got pretty much free reign, to be honest. Hmm. It's a residential area. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to call it High Rise. Okay, High Rise. That's fine. Okay, yeah. So he said he says he was walking down a, uh, he was walking down high rise in uh, North Side. He took two steps down the street and then he was coming out to the end of it by the old, uh, by the old shoemakers at the uh, the southern edge of it. And he's like, well, normally it takes me at least 10, 10, 15 minutes to walk down that road, but I took two steps into it and I was coming straight out of it. So he was travelling south, and just yeah came out at the end yeah it was like i started walking down the street and then like without pass, seeming to pass through the intervening street i was coming out the end of it and that was this evening or he says yeah yeah it was a, he says yeah it was only about an hour ago and he says well get, get me right actually i tried going back down the street i took two steps back into it and then i was coming out the north side of it again and did you see anything strange down the street no not perfectly normal, but when I, when I try walking down the street, like I say, came out the other end of it. I said, well, that, after I did it the second time, that gave me a right funny turn. So I followed the uh, followed the outer walls round till I got to here. And then I thought, well, bugger this, I'm coming in for a drink. Hmm. Uh, and with that, I think Brock will go and uh, have a look. And okay. uh, Lana go with him. Okay. Obviously, the rest of you are in the uh, 
in the tavern when this is going on. I'm hoping you can all see the New Zealand map now. Yes, Max. You all seem to be on it. I'll definitely follow Brock. We don't want the man mountain destroying places. Yeah, so I'm moving your icon. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you where. I'll just say I'm going to have a look. Yep, so you head from the the tavern, which is here, over to High Rise Street, which is here. And as you look down it, like I say, you're in a, a fairly like, well-to-do uh, residential area. Like I say, mostly professionals and workers, not nobles, but also it's not dirt poor either. It's it's fairly late on in the evening, so most of like the shops and the, the traders have like shut down for the evening. You can see the occasional sort of candle or lantern burning in a in a shop as you walk past. You get obviously any of you want can go along. You get to the the southern edge of High Rise Street. You look down it, you can see these residential buildings on either side of the street, the sort of compacted dirt of the road beckons ahead of you and at the far end of High Rise Street you can see where it sort of splits in two and follows the outer wall of the city to the west and to the east. Okay. You don't see anything um, obviously strange. Okay. I'll ask if whoever's come with me, I'm gonna ask him to sort of wait here and just yeah, watch in case something strange does happen and I'm gonna just start to walk down the street. I'll stand at the corner and wait then. Okay, no and I'll leave leave land there as well. Yep. Yep, so the rest of you who are there, you watch as Brock's like, I'll just keep an eye on me in case anything happens. And he starts walking down High Rise Street. He takes maybe half a dozen steps, and then suddenly he's like gone. He just like vanishes, and then like instantly you see him like appear, like almost like no no time passes. He just appears at the other end of the street. And as far as you're concerned, Brock, you like take a couple of steps, and suddenly you're like there looking at the wall <laughs> of New Zealand, like at the other end of the street, but you don't seem to have like passed the intervening street. If you see what I mean. Hmm. I'm gonna just pick something up off the street, like you know, a bit of bit of stone or something, and chuck it back the way I just come. Yep you you throw a you throw a stone back the way you've just come. It lands on the road in front of you, like in the middle of the street, and just like drops to the floor. Yeah, oh, so it, as far as I'm concerned, that's where I've just walked through, but I didn't walk through. Yeah, whatever if strange effect seems to have taken place on you doesn't appear didn't to have affected the stone. Hmm. Well, I'll, I'll walk back the other way then to see if I return to you know, where I left the others. Okay, so you guys see Brock at the far end of the street. He turns around, takes a few steps back. And again, he just vanishes and almost instantly like appears at the other end of the street nearest to you guys. And as far as you're concerned, Brock, you're walking down the street and then suddenly like, you're at the other end of it and you're like walking towards your associates. I'll say this. This has got to be something to do with those or that hag. Witchcraft like this doesn't or didn't exist in in our town before them. Where are the building? I don't know. Did they say where they were going to set up shop? 
they they didn't specify no they did say obviously it was going to be in the sort of like the the trade district which is pretty much where you are because mm. as you can see on the map like the furriers the hat makers the shoemakers the roofers the plasterers they're all sort of clustered around this area and this is where the traders tend to live in the area you're in now yep why don't we go around the back come down an alleyway into the street see what's happening yeah i mean is there any oh yeah there's, there's, alleyways there's, there's plenty of little alleyways between buildings obviously they're not shown on the map but there's plenty of them about yeah, yeah. but uh, well, we can do that yeah yep, let's get you, to the middle of the street yeah you, you have stagger a little bit so that you know if one of us disappears the others will see it you know yeah you you spend a few minutes trying this out however when you head through these alleyways at the point you get where you'd be entering the main street you basically blink out like brock did and then you find yourself on an alleyway on the other side of the street can i see into the street though from here yeah if, you, if you're in an alleyway looking out into the street it looks like the normal street but when you get to the threshold of it you just instantly seem to like wink to the opposite side of it almost like teleported sort of thing so the trick is to try and get halfway between that teleport and so literally got to stand on the threshold but they're letting you they're letting you see what they want you to see whoever's doing this I'll, I'll try and figure out where the threshold is for moving from one spot to the other okay the the threshold appears to be the the borders of the actual uh, the actual street itself so it's when you step onto high rise street that mm -hmm. seems to be where it takes effect so previously when brock was walking through it technically until he took his couple of steps he was on the street that it leads onto but when he took a couple of steps onto what was actually high rise street that's when he like teleported to the other end and likewise when you're in an alleyway once you actually step out of the alleyway onto high rise street that's where you wink onto the other side of it I wonder what happens when you peep around the corner. You can try. Go on, bro. Give it a go. Yeah, I mean, I'll try not entering the street, but looking into the street, as it were. Yep, you, you peek just your head forward and look into the street, and you don't wink out of existence and appear anywhere else. And as you look up and down the street, it looks perfectly normal. A series of sort of higgledy-piggledy residential buildings compacted dirt street and i'll you know i'll just i'll talk i'll just say lan can you hear me and see if she can hear me while i got my head sort of you hear from behind she's like uh, yes husband i can hear you there's some sort of witchcraft here she says yes there's there's some sort of evil sorcery afoot here How do we uh, uncover it? Maybe one of our companions and those uh, strange weapons they carry will help us. I, I, I suggest we head back to the tavern All right. and consult with them. Okay, so Quentin, Brock and Lan, you head back to the tavern where Malcolm and Weimar are. Malcolm and Weimar, have you done anything in particular while they've been 
out uh, experimenting with this strange sort of effect. I guess we've been talking to Fabio. That's absolutely fine. You can talk to Fabio. Is there anything in particular you want to talk to him about? I guess we're just agreeing with him when we're going to leave to go to the mall, right? Yeah, that's absolutely fine. Obviously, he's keen to he's keen to get going off in search of the Philosopher's Stone as quickly as as quickly as you can. Obviously, he's he's pleased to see that you've come back so, so relatively rapidly. He's obviously he's trying not to show it, but he's a little bit sort of excited and a little bit impatient. Like I say, it's. A, it's been his like life's work, so he says to like try and find this philosopher's stone, and now he's sort of, like champing at the bit to like get going because he thinks it's almost within his grasp. But uh, he also seems like he doesn't want to seem ingrateful because you you paid for like his lodgings for like, a week, so he like he doesn't want to seem like he's pressuring you or like not show any gratitude for for the fact you've paid for his lodgings and whatever. But obviously, he's like really keen to get moving. Yeah, and additionally, I would have... Uh, started to arrange, at least, the... Uh, for the uh, Masons to go up to Brackenwall, as we had agreed with the Lord that we would send help in fixing their damage... Okay. So, so quick much... question: Who? I was gonna say, who's gonna pay for these masons? Yeah, I was, I was just gonna say, like, how much are they wanting for it? Oh, let's have a look. Let's see if we we'll find how much. It... Do you know what? I've got this written down in my notes. I don't know if I've got masons written down, but I've got other costs written down. Let's see. So, skilled tradespeople. So. We're looking at for each mason, they're probably going to want at least like sixty to hundred gold pieces. Uh, you said four, four hundred. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're bound to have like local. You know, they have labor up there. Oh yeah, of course. They yeah, just, they just need these guys to. Okay, yeah, so you you spend uh, 400 gold, obviously, cost that across all of your funds. And you yeah. you hire the services of four masons, uh, which actually hiring them like takes you to the district just to the south of where Brock and uh, Quentin are at the minute. So as Quentin and Brock, as you're sort of heading back towards the tavern, you actually meet Weimar and Malcolm who've just concluded this business with his masons and send them on their way and you sort of like meet up in basically the, the central sort of square of uh, New Zealand as you're as they're heading out of where the masons and plasterers are and you're heading south from the north side district uh, yeah so we're we head straight over to them yep. and I'll be looking pretty angry which is fairly common um, Weimar, what have you done? You've made agreements with some hag who's infested he, our. 
he, our town. He shouts loudly, his voice like booming out through the square. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come look at this. And he'll stomp off towards Iron Street. I'll, I'll, I'll turn to Malcolm. This this will be great, I guarantee <laughs> This will be something. Yep, so he, Ibn and Quentin take you to, to High Rise Street, the main sort of street that runs through the north side residential district and they display this effect for you which you see as described previously whenever someone steps over the threshold into high rise street they find themselves instantly walking out the other end without seeming to pass over the intervening street itself but when you look down the street it looks perfectly normal nothing untoward however as you get nearer malcolm you notice that your sword gets noticeably warm <coughs> Okay. And if I touch it, can I see anything different? Okay, you you touch the sword and then there's like a sort of hazy, almost atmospheric disturbance that you and only you see in the air in front of you. And as you appear down the street, as you watch, you can actually see, bizarre though it looks, that like a couple of the buildings in the street, like the whole street appears to be like sliding apart. And in the space between them, there appears to be like another building, sort of like in that sort of like almost Beetlejuice style, sort of like growing up out of the ground. And okay. unsurprisingly to you, you can see several of the, the sort of green, grey skinned, um, tusked humanoids standing in front of it. And you can see Thorn Rosie standing in front of this building that's growing up. She's sort of like holding a, a hand like this to her forehead. Okay. And she's just watching um, this building. Like... And if I try and step through the haze, do I get transported, or does knowing that it's there allow me to step in through it? Okay, make me a save versus spells. Disconnected. Can you roll it for me? Yeah, Dan? of course I can, no problems. Just give me a moment. There we go. Okay, that is a success with a uh, natural 20, no less. So oh, nice. As you, as you sort of like with your hands still on the sword, you step into High Rise Street. To the rest of you guys, Malcolm steps over the threshold, but instead of like winking to the other end, he just disappears. He's just gone. To you, Malcolm, you step onto the street, and as you do, the the sort of illusion, let's call it, of like a perfectly normal street fades away, and you now can clearly see these buildings like sliding apart and this building sort of growing up almost like like a plant or like a fungus blooming, like between these two buildings, you can see the sort of eight foot tall, pallid, beautiful looking figure of Thorn Rosie with her hand like this, sort of looking at it, her, her eyes sort of like slightly closed, and she's flanked by a number of these like tusked figures. Okay. Um, so I guess I'll approach and see if anyone notices me. Okay, as you approach, one of the the tusk figures does notice you 
he, he turns around towards you and he's you see him like reach for a weapon a sword at his waist he like draws it and as he draws the sword out you the sort of shh of the sword coming out thorn rosie obviously hears it and she sort of shakes her head slightly and lowers her hand and then she turns towards you and says oh mr harp what a what a pleasant surprise ah miss rosie um there was a bit of a scene caused by your uh construction and i just wanted to make sure everything was okay and that oh it yes, would be yes done sir. relatively shortly yes yes of course i do apologize for any inconvenience caused i appreciate my methods are somewhat uh, unorthodox however the uh, the weaving that i've created over this street uh, was designed to uh, to, to to cause minimal disruption amongst the uh, the locals hence us doing it at night as well but uh it just we should be done in a couple of hours okay at which point she she gestures towards this building that sort of like slowly continued to like grow up and you can see that as it's sort of expanding outwards it's slowly sort of taking the form of this very luxurious like bathhouse and it's like seems to be like as you're watching it, you know, like extra rooms are sort of like expanding out of it, and like sort of like luxurious like curtains are sort of appearing on it, almost like a like a sort of fairy tale like cottage that's sprouting up of its own accord. She gestures to it and she says, "What do you think?" It looks delightful. I look forward to visiting when it is completed. Oh yes, yes, um, you really must. I, I tell you what, uh, since you're a uh, since you're such a good friend of uh, my sister's, uh, the the first visit for your for yourself and your companions is, is on me, so to speak. Ah, very generous of you. Oh, not at all, not at all. Uh, your first visit to the to the baths of Astralon will be on the house, so to speak. Ah, thank you. But uh, let me uh, leave you to your work. Uh, and I will just let people know that there is nothing to be concerned about. Oh, splendid! If you would, uh, I'd be ever so grateful. As I say, we'll be we'll be done in an hour or two, and then uh, the, once that once we're done, the the weaving won't be necessary anymore, and people people will be able to go about their business normally. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, well met again, and I look forward to visiting when you're up and running. Indeed. Uh, is there anything? Uh, is there anything special that we can we can lay on for you? We do pride ourselves in a delivering a good quality customer service. No, I think I just visit the baths and splendid, splendid. Uh, well, uh, if you if you simply tell the uh, tell the attendant on the on the front desk that uh, I am paying for the first visit of yourself and your friends, uh, they'll see you straight through and they'll ensure your needs are taken care of. Excellent. I look forward to it. Indeed, a good day to you. And to you. And then I'll walk back towards Brock and the guys. Okay, so after a few moments, you guys suddenly like Malcolm just like appears at the edge of the street in front of you. So I'll probably be um, telling Brock, listen, I'm just saying this probably has more to do with what happened in the other place on the island rather than any 
local whatever it is and then <laughs> i guess it's nothing nothing to do with the the woman that come from hagshaw i'll just be like i just walked up and down the street there's nothing going on here it's just a normal street i think you've had too much to drink and i go back to the inn and off i track i'll yeah. say to brock i don't claim to understand fully what just happened all right let's go, let's with, go that, drink. with that with <laughs> that I shall stomp back to the tavern. <laughs> if I find anything I can pick up and throw against anything hard, I shall do that. And yeah, I'll just, fine. like a crate or something, I'll just chuck it against the wall. And I say, so it's all right to just mess with people's minds, is it? And just move them around so they can't travel. And just, it'll be just kicking stuff and mumbling to himself. Uh, okay, Making roll, deals with. Roll hacks. me a D6, bro. Uh, I have rolled. Hasn't come up yet. Unless you can see it. No, I can't see it yet. I don't know what's going on with this. Oh, do you want to give it a go? Yeah, I'll just quickly roll it. Okay. So you're you're walking down the street. So you say you've smashed a crate. You're sort of going like, oh, so it's all right for you. I'm messing around people's minds. You're like shouting. Yeah, and just trying to stop. You see, like, as you're sort of like a bit of a head like Malcolm and the rest of you, you see, like, a few of the, uh, a few of, like, the New Zealand, like, town guards uh, walk up. They, they obviously see you at the front of the party, Weimar, and they sort of salute. And, and then one of them says, uh, uh, is, that, is everything all right, sir? Uh, we, uh, we, we, heard, we heard the disturbance, and he's sort of like, peeks around you and it looks like Brock is like raging in the background <laughs> everything's fine nothing to worry about man's got a temper you don't you don't need us to uh, have a word with them or anything sir no, no I'll 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 take care of it very good sir very good uh, obviously we we don't want to any disturbances uh setting anyone ill at ease. I'm sure you understand, sir. But uh, we'll, we'll sure you know your business, sir. Uh, we'll, we'll leave mm -hmm. it in there. They will salute again and they'll like, march off down one of the side Very streets. Good. Give them a stern look if, if I see them as well. Yeah, that's fine. You see that as they sort of like, oh, we sure you know your business, they sort of like, hesitate a bit like, oh, you sure we don't need to deal with this? But then they're like, start walk off. <laughs> it's like Brock's like giving them the old like, yeah, you want some? You come over here as well. <laughs> so he's just—he's just gonna be, uh, yeah, in just a strop now, and he's just going to heavy drinking session. Indeed. And as you retire back to the inn, that is where we're going to draw a close to uh, this evening's session. As we fade to black. With you guys at the end, Malcolm being like, look, guys, there's nothing to worry about. Everything's fine. Continue about your business. And Brock's like, it's magic, I tell you. Like, kicking chairs over. And I was like, and I'll, I'll be in the background. It's like, I will buy you a hundred crates. Just don't break the chairs. <laughs> Indeed. And we sort of fade to black on that uh, slightly chaotic scene where, ironically, like, your main chaotic party member's not the one causing the chaos. <laughs> I was, I was trying there. to draw the attention away from Quentin. <laughs> Indeed. 
and that's where we fade to black. So thank you very much for playing the, the session this evening, guys. Again, I know it was a bit of a talky one, but I hope you all still enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah that was good. Yeah, yes, mate. And uh, again, apologies for the various technical problems. I'm not really sure what was going on with that this evening. Yeah, but, apologies uh, for being late. <laughs> sorry, I do these things happen. But uh, obviously, we'll sort that XP and whatnot in a minute. But for now, it just remains for me to thank my wonderful players and anyone who watches this now or in the future. Thanks very much. Hopefully, we'll catch you in the next episode. I'll end the stream here.